week here during the season of reflection and repentance, we're going to visit each of our three readings today. Hearing their admonition for repentance, reminded that we need forgiveness for the sin in our lives, forgiveness that can only come from outside of ourselves, from God alone. And at the conclusion of today's sermon, we'll hear about the place where God chooses to first meet us all in the waters of our baptism, washing us clean with the life-giving water through the forgiveness of our sins, promising eternal life to us all, and claiming us as his very own, inheritors of all that is his. Our first reading today helps us to see that God chooses to work through things that the world would see as incapable of producing results. Making a promise to Abram that he will be the father of a nation and that his descendants will be more numerous than the stars in the night sky. A promise that Abram might have been doubtful of as he and his wife Sarai were very old and well past their childbearing age. But Genesis tells us today that God has set Abram aside to be a blessing to the nations. And Abram believed what God said. He had faith and hope that God would keep those promises. The reading from Romans today has Paul doing his best to give a little explanation to this reading from Genesis. Paul wants the hearer, wants the reader, ourselves included, to understand a couple of basic, basic truths about how grace works. First, he wants us to remember that we are broken by sin, and there's nothing that we can do to fix this on our own. No work to be accomplished, no matter how hard we try, that even faithfully trying to follow God's law can't fix this. Something that's important for us to remember during Lent. Paul also wants us to see this at work through Abram's relationship with God. It begins with God's gracious action towards Abram, which brings about a faithful response on Abram's part. But then Paul turns the conversation towards those future generations of which we are a part, saying that all those who will come after Abram will receive the same promises, that they will inherit this from generation to generation promises that we receive in baptism. This brings us right alongside the reading from the Gospel of John. Now, while I realize that some of the most famous and well-known words throughout all of, this, all of Scripture reside in our reading today from John, in fact, I think about half of the confirmation students that I've had confirmed in my five years here have chosen that verse. Instead of beginning there, I'd like to begin with Nicodemus and his doubt and confusion about what God desires in our lives. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was part of the religious establishment that was actively opposing Jesus and his ministry. But there was something compelling about what Jesus had to say. He was teaching that there was access to God outside of the way that the church had been controlling things for generations that God chooses to meet us without pretense, to work life and salvation outside of the systems that people have established for their own sake, and instead chooses to give grace without asking for something from us first, that to be in relationship with God has more to do with God's grace than God's judgment for our faults, for our weaknesses, 
for our doubt, and for our sin. I don't know that I've ever really been done, quote-unquote, with church. We all, or at least most of us, go through a period of confusion and doubt regarding our faith, and mine was in college. It came after years of struggling in my Wisconsin Synod Church, feeling that I desperately wanted to be in a community with others who loved God, to be able to use the gifts that seemed to have been given to me, and yet being turned away at every turn because I was a woman. You can only be devalued so many times, told that if you don't believe the right way, that bad things will happen to your soul. I've known many others who felt the same way, devalued and just kind of done. Because all they heard from people claiming to be Christian was judgment against them for the choices in their life. They look at the church and see it as the judge and jury, those who hold the keys to forgiveness, not God. It kind of sounds like what Martin Luther was trying to proclaim to people throughout the Reformation, that the gospel is supposed to be about God's grace and not the judgment, that you've been forgiven without paying the price first. What would it be like if that was the message that people were hearing about who God is and what God desires more than anything else in this world? What might this gospel message do in the life of someone who's been burned by the church? What might it take to get that word out there as loudly as possible? It takes people, God's chosen people. It takes you all. You've been set aside as God's holy and beloved child, born of water and the Spirit in the waters of your baptism. You've been adopted into God's family and promised an inheritance of astounding worth, God's forgiveness and life eternal. And just like Abram and Paul and Nicodemus, you are encouraged to be changed through those waters, to step out into the world with confidence and faith, to remind that world that with God comes healing, reconciliation, and hope. This is what you received in the waters of your baptism, clothed in Christ and sent into the world to be the bearers of this message. Be uplifted in your call to be as Christ in the world. Hearing those amazing and blessed words that were spoken over you at the font, this is my child, the beloved. In you I am well pleased. Hear them, believe in them, and then share them. Turn away from judgment, whether that's from, our, from others or from yourself, and embrace the grace of God in Christ. May God bless your continued walk of faith through Lent and each and every day. Amen.